0: It's 2 p.m. on a random Monday, and I'm dancing around in my kitchen with nothing but a tank top and panties on, similar to a scene I'd watched on Grey's Anatomy about 10 years ago. I remember watching it and thinking, I want to be like that. I want to be that happy. But I had no clue as to how I was going to get to that place. As a young adult in my 20s, whenever anyone asked me what did I want to be in life, my answer had always been, I just want to be okay. For me, okay meant stable, financially secure, and safe. Happiness and joy were not things that came to mind. I did have a sense of what I deserved and what I could have in life, but I did not internalize it for myself, nor was I sure of how to achieve it. I suffered from depression and anxiety due to expressing, due to experiencing so much childhood trauma. I spent my entire life trying to free myself of pain and fear. I didn't know how to do it. At 23, I moved to Houston in search of freedom, happiness, and light. As Solange said, I tried to dance it away, sex it away, sleep it away, drink it away. I tried with everything in me to pray it away and read it away. I went through these cycles for years. Eventually, it all came to a head. I decided to commit suicide. I sat on my bed, ready to go through with my plan, and all I could do was cry. The Holy Spirit was telling me that this wasn't supposed to be how my life ended, but my flesh told me, no one wants you, no one cares about you, and God will never bless you. I felt like if I stayed alive, that I wouldn't be happy the Holy Spirit led me to call a friend. She stayed on the phone with me for hours and I sought professional mental help the next day. Therapy was the last resort for me, but it was exactly what I needed. It was the missing piece in my life. I remember going to my therapist and telling her that I didn't want to be there, that I felt like I was failing as a Christian because I had to seek help outside of the church outside of god she told me that sometimes god needs us to be his hands and his feet for each other i began sessions with her twice a month that dance in my kitchen it came about after almost two years of healing the wounds that needed healing were deep some needed surgery and others needed close care and time healing had come with lots of hard work determination because I refuse to give up on myself and time with healing has come true happiness and joy. If you haven't already, I hope you find the same joy inside of you. We may not always be able to see the light, but it is my hope that no matter what, we always feel it somewhere inside. May we all emanate joy.
1: Welcome to Americana Quill. Writer to Writer, please like and subscribe and tell a friend to like subscribe. Today I tell everyone that this is such a beautiful soul who contributed to my blog this month of February. Um, the main piece that she wrote and that you just listened to is called Emanating Joy. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome the great Diamond Reed. How you doing? I'm good, so first and foremost I want to say thank you for, for doing this and for contributing to my blog, a written peace and also um, I want to say a, um, a vlog, I guess, a, a video blog as as a second part to it as I'm so appreciative for you to do that for for the, as a contributor. No, thank you. So I guess I want to start off with asking you what inspired you to write something so personal?
0: been an open book. I have always felt since an early age, probably since high school, that the things that I've experienced in my life were not um, in vain. I never, not never, but not until a few years ago did I realize that it was probably for other people. I just knew that all of the things that I experienced were not just because, like God didn't allow them to happen for no reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've always try to share my experiences um, with whoever I come in contact with that I feel can learn and learn from it, grow from it, and um, be helped by it.
1: Right. So earlier in the in the piece that you you said so eloquently, you talked about suicide a little bit. I want to know what made you feel that was a possible option for you, if you're a mommy accent?
0: I've battled suicidal thoughts since about, I want to say, third grade. Um, they, as I talked about in the blog, I experienced a lot of childhood trauma. And so for me, it in my mind, growing up, I wasn't, if I would, I always thought if I would kill, if I had killed myself or if I, when I planned to kill myself, that it wouldn't matter. That, um, that everyone in my life, my family, my friends, my coworkers, when I got older, um, it I always believed um, they would not miss me. And if they did, it wouldn't be for long. So they would be okay without me. And um, as a kid, I felt like it would put me out of my misery. As an adult, I felt like it would put me out of my misery as well as take me off of other people's shoulders. I felt like a burden. Um, specifically, the suicide that I was speaking of in the blog, I had experienced um, a lot of physical health problems with my um, reproductive system. And at that point, I felt like God was never going to bless my life. He was never going to bless my womb. And what is the point of living if I, at, in my mind, because it didn't make sense, but in my mind, Um, what was the point of me staying here if I couldn't give life, if I couldn't Mm -hmm. do what I was quote unquote, put here to do.
1: So Um, you felt like your total existence at one point was into making life and not just living your life possibly.
0: I felt like, because I so badly and I still do, but at that point I so badly wanted to get married, um, and have kids. I was like, who's going to want to love me and who's going to want to be with me if I can't bear my own children. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, i now looking back on it, it's like, I can't believe I thought that. But that was genuinely what I felt in those months leading up to it. Um, and also, I was raised that I wouldn't be happy if I couldn't have kids. That's what I was told by so many women, that I wouldn't be happy if I couldn't have my own children. So even though adoption and surrogacy and other things were op- were and are options, um at that time, I felt like they weren't options for me. So um, and I also felt like I was being punished. Um, and I wanted to be put out of my misery. And again, I was it was I was also preparing to have my surgery, and I felt like a huge burden to my family. And that was what led me to it.
1: Wow. I find that the thought of suicide interesting because I think everyone has thoughts, but like, I don't know anybody that necessarily thought about truly executing the idea of it. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes I think it's a, it's a wrestle between wanting to free the spirit because maybe you're just not happy with yourself. And it's like, there's no other way of you feeling free from like what you feel like you're caged in of your own body is like then removing your spirit out of it. Like on some,
0: For me, I don't know how else to
1: explain me. it, but like, I feel like that's what sometimes is a deeper thought that people don't. Really think about is like them probably trying to free themselves from whatever the pain is physically within them or mentally inside of them, and they think freeing your spirit outside of your body will do something for you. It might not. We don't know. You know.
0: For me, it was an unbearable, uh, an unbearable darkness that I was in. An unbearable mm-hmm. darkness and unbearable pain. I was so depressed, and I just felt so hopeless. But I've said before, it's one of those things that I think is extremely hard to explain to someone that hasn't been through it, right. um, because you have to be in such a dark place to to get there. Um, and I can say that now that I'm not in the dark place anymore, now that I've come to the light and I've been delivered from that. But, um, and I was, it was, it's a frustrating feeling because, especially for me, because I was literally felt like i had god on this shoulder and the enemy on this shoulder literally a tug of war and i remember sitting on my bed and saying to god if this isn't how i'm supposed to die and if it's not supposed to be today how am i supposed to live because i cannot live the way i've been living and i and i think for a lot of people that um contemplated a lot of people that um attempt and a lot of people that committed commit suicide it's I don't know how to live anymore. Right. And that, that's what it was for me, was finally getting to the point where the way that I've been living and everything that's been happening, I don't know how to, I can't. I feel like I can't bear it anymore.
1: Right. And I think now that I'm old, I'm able to compartmentalize a little bit of my childhood. It's, um, for some reason, I feel like sometimes it's like, you, you feel like you have to survive instead of learning how to live. Yes. And when you're always in survival mode, it makes you d- go down dark paths that if you thought about just living, maybe you'll think you have choices and other options outside of mm-hmm. just trying to survive and not to dig too deep on my childhood or yours, but I know you, you definitely had a few more rough patches than I have. So I could, I could see why you feel like you're always in survival mode and not seeing the moments of where you might think of living, of wanting to live. So like, I just want to say, I, I don't know exactly because I'm not you, but I could I can kind of have a, a lot of empathy for that moment of, of those thoughts. Because I grew up in what was supposed to be a suburb, but even then it's still a lot of trying to survive it rather than just live. So I can only imagine you growing and up in Cali.
0: we're not taught to, um, a lot of times in our situations, we are not taught to live and to thrive. We're taught right. that these are the things that you do in order to make sure that a, you, you survive, survive, and B, you are able to later provide. Right. And if you never learn how to live. And so when you get to the point where it's like, okay, everything I was taught and everything that everybody said that was supposed to make me happy is not making me happy. Right. And then Cause... on top of that, to be in a place where I'm being told what's going to make you happy is never going to happen for you, what I'm supposed to do now.
1: Right. It's... It's one of those things, it's like not what everyone, what makes everyone else happy will not make you happy. You gotta find your own path, but we are only taught to do things a certain way because it's the only way they know it and they think that's the route for everyone, it, it could lead to those things, I could imagine. So I commend you for um, finding you know, a way out of
0: that. Thank you. It was hard. But
1: I could imagine. <laughs> So I guess now, I guess the question for you is, are you able now to compartmentalize a bit better from your childhood traumas?
0: No, I didn't learn to compartmentalize. I learned to deal with all of it. I learned to, um, well, I guess I have learned to compartmentalize, but I had to first deal with all of it first.
1: I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean, you're able to assess the situation and then put it in certain boxes. Like, okay, this is why. Exactly,
0: is that that's what I had to learn to do. For me, everything was in one big box and was pushed way, way, way far down, deep, 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 deep deep into the closet. Um, And I had to bring that box out and, and take things out one by one and look at them and examine them and deal with them and then put them in their own boxes. Instead of one big box, put them in their own boxes and deal with them as they come. Because our childhood comes up in waves and it comes up in every single new experience that we have. Our child self is always there. So I definitely learned in therapy how to, um, yes, definitely how to compartmentalize better, but also within compartmentalizing, because I think sometimes we think, oh, you compartmentalize, you, you try to forget about it. I learned to actually take the time to remember the memories, the experiences, um, learn from them, apply what I need to, and then move on. And sometimes not move on. Some of the things I, I'll never be able to actually move on or move move past, but I can definitely, I've definitely learned and am learning to live with them.
1: Right. So what now, I guess, helps bring your spirit joy
0: What brings me joy now is um, Transparent Tuesdays, her open diary. So Transparent Tuesdays is the podcast that I do on Tuesdays in regards to women's empowerment and just honestly sharing my most vulnerable snapshots of my most vulnerable self and um, sharing my experiences in order for other people to know that no matter what you've gone through, you can overcome it. And that's um, her open diary is my Instagram account and profile that I use to do it on a more daily basis. Um, and just doing the things that make me happy, bring me joy. And it can be as small as having 30 minutes to myself in a day that are quiet and I'm drinking chamomile tea or as big as planning a, a trip. And a trip for me is always seven days. I don't know what it is about seven days for me, but I like to be off for seven days in a row. Um, and experience a new place, a new culture, new food. Um, Writing brings me joy. Reading brings me joy. Learning more about my relationship with Christ, um, I think, brings me the most joy. Oh, wow.
1: So, I guess a little bit, to jump a little bit back to what we were talking about, what, was it not being loved the way you wanted, a part of these feelings that you had of, of these deeper issues that you needed to, to understand about yourself and, and growing from those?
0: I wouldn't say that it was not being loved the way that I wanted to be. I wasn't being loved the way I needed to be. Got it. Um, I, to go back a little bit, in my childhood, in my own experience... <laughs> the only person that I remember um, experiencing true unconditional love from was my grandmother. Um, I, when she died, I was like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Right. And she died seven months after my mom passed away. So not only was I not receiving my mother's unconditional love, I wasn't receiving my grandmother's unconditional love. And I didn't know what that looked like for any for anyone else to give it to me mm. um and it did feel like everyone else in my life did love me conditionally it was like oh diamond has to be it felt like I, I had a very perfectionist attitude as, in spirit because I was um everyone was so critical of me right. so I felt like in order to be loved I had to live up to everyone else's standards
1: Right, and you were 10 or 11 when this happened, I believe,
0: or? I was 10 when my mom died and 11 when my nana died. Okay. So it was back to back, and then I was 12 when I moved to Texas, away mm-hmm. from my biological siblings and all of my family that I already knew. Yeah. So it was like every any, any semblance of what I was used to and comfortable in, I didn't have it anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. And yeah it just it literally felt like from that point on all love was conditional
1: do you is it because you feel like they didn't fight hard enough to keep you in california or everyone had an excuse of why they couldn't keep you there No,
0: there was no one to keep me in california there was no um family that could take me um that could take me in Mm. um and my sisters are also young, like at the time, my older sisters were only, I want to say, 22 and 17, like 17 yeah. or 18. They
1: still so trying to figure was, out life for themselves. So I exactly, so it
0: wasn't like, and my sister, Nicole, who I ended up living with when I was 16, did her best as a 17-year-old, she was getting ready to go to college, but there was only so much that she could do, mm-hmm. and then when I got older, even our relationship. I didn't recognize the unconditional love that she gave me. We actually just had a conversation about that, and I was telling her, "I, I think that I, I pushed down my memories of her love because it it wasn't um, available anymore. When I moved to Texas, it wasn't available. I couldn't go to her and hug her or or lean on her and cry to her if something was wrong or to talk to my mom, talk to her about my mom or my grandmother, and mm-hmm. so." Not until this year, at 31 years old, was I, was I able to say, was I able to feel all of it again and to experience that. Um, and she's always been, I always say she's always been such a good big sister. She's always exhibited that unconditional love of you are beautiful the way you are. I love you just the way you are. You don't have to change. You can yeah. be your, completely yourself. Yeah. Um and she was really the only person um, other than, to me, other than my mom and my grandmother that allowed me to do that. And I, th- what I think it was is that everyone felt, Tia Judy, my, my aunt and my uncle that raised me, my, uh, my aunt Judy and my uncle John, and then my family in New York, everyone felt such a, a grave responsibility to make sure that I lived up to what my grandmother wanted me to be. And the, I guess the potential that she saw in me, that there wasn't um, a very nurturing spirit there. It was a more, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. You don't do A, B, and C because you have to be this. So there was, there was never any room for mistakes. There was never any room to just let Diamond be Diamond.
1: So what helped bring joy to your spirit?
0: Um, I'll be honest. I think that it's my relationship with God that brings me joy because um, I feel like when you have a relationship with Christ, there's a light within you. There Mm -hmm. is, and it's the light of God. It's the love of God that resides within you. And that is what allows me to be able to know that at the end of the day, I'm okay. I'm taken care of. Um, It gives me an unsurmountable amount of peace, like an unexplainable peace the bible says that its peace that surpasses all understanding mm. and i wish that there was a scripture that says he gives us joy that surpasses all understanding he gives you this this peace and this happiness and this joy that doesn't make sense from the outside looking in cuz right. you know how people there's a song that says people look at me and wonder how i can smile after all the things i've been through um and you can because of, your, because of your relationship with Christ, because of that
1: peace. Right. I think that and the joy of, of silence and getting to hear his voice, with your voice, helps that for sure. Absolutely. So I have some deep or at least thoughtful questions that I want to shoot at you, kind of like a rapid fire. Okay. You can shoot them back at me as well, if you like. Um, I'm kind of, you know, breaking my usual format a bit. To do this but it's necessary because what you wrote and what you're embarking on I think is very important for everyone to like get into so I want to make sure that I'm just throwing some questions around you can throw them back at me and I'll answer as honestly as I can and if you could do the same that'd be cool okay so what matters to you most uh,
0: my family my friends and love okay
1: do you want me to answer it back, or are you yes, going... I
0: feel like you sh- I should answer it, then you should answer
1: Okay, what matters to me most is um, my family, my wife, my brother, my sibling. Well, that's my only sibling, but cousins, aunts, nieces, nephews, cousins. So just family as a whole, um, my relationship with God, and um, the things I feel like I was put to do on this earth is very important for me to try to accomplish. So. So, what are your most important values, and how how are you living in the ways that are not? Uh, how are you living with the with your values aligned, and how are you maybe trying to get them back into alignment at times? I guess.
0: What are my most important values?
1: Right, and how are you living in ways to try to align them?
0: My most important values are, I guess, values or morals would be mm. um, honesty, loyalty. Um, The first, for some reason, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me that is friendship. I am really big on, um, and I think that's why I said one of the most important things to me is love. I'm really big on my friendships and my relationships with my family and my loved ones. Um, I try my best to make sure that I'm loyal to them, that I'm always, I'm available as much as possible. What I've learned is that I can only be Available when I've made room. I can't be available when I am depleted. Um, but to try to be available as much as possible, to be supportive, to just to be supportive, to be a um, a listening ear, a shoulder to cry on if necessary, a cheerleader um, to share in their joy um, when they're joyous. Um, how am I? I am working on letting go of my own expectations in order to be that for my family and friends. Um, And also making my own needs known so that there's no miscommunication. And also trying to have that open line of communication to make sure I know what they need as well. You mentioned earlier, um, you asked me, was I not receiving the love I wanted? It is important to receive love the way we receive it. So I try to make sure that I learn different love languages and how my family and friends receive love in order to be all those things to them that I need them to be to me.
1: That makes sense. So for me, I think it just boils down to the word integrity. I think um, keeping my integrity and not doing things just for, for the time being will help make my spirit feel elevated. And from there, I could be a better person for not just myself, but anyone I get in contact with. So I think integrity is quite um, the most important thing I try to keep aligned. I
0: like that. Thank you. I'm going to work on that too.
1: (laughs) 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 So, okay, what's the next question here? What are your most important needs and desires for yourself or for, for people to enter your life?
0: My most important and biggest desires are to... (laughs) It's so funny you ask me that because I've actually been journaling about it. Um, But my most important and biggest desires at this time are to fulfill my purpose in life. Um, I do believe that part of my purpose is to be a wife and to be a mother. Um, I believe that in marriage, there are things that God reveals to you that only marriage can. And the same is true when you have children, is that he teaches you things all over again for yourself and for your children Um, or child, if you only have one, because I only want one. Um, (laughs) But my deepest desire is to be a mother, to be a wife, and to fulfill my purpose in regards to spreading um, spreading God's word to the masses in a way that I never thought it would look like.
1: So, I think my most important need and desire is just to um let the ones that. My biggest desire for me to give to everyone else is that for those I love, for me to make sure I show them it the best way I can. Whatever the spectrum is, whether it's like a brotherly love, or my, my wife, just let them know that they were truly loved by me. And I want to say my most important need, I think, is just. Um, just understanding of reciprocation, I guess, at times. Mm -hmm. But that's more of a, I don't know, I'm still thinking on the need, but desire, I I, I desire to be better for them if they don't feel like I love them the way they need to be loved.
0: That's an important need is to, um, for it to be reciprocated. We all need it. We all Which which it is, it
1: is, but I think sometimes we don't take the time to internalize how they're trying to show us their love to us, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: So I was taking a moment of not just being in my own head about it and, and taking a moment to sit back and understand how they're loving me and, and appreciate that. That's why I'm so
0: big on love languages.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm like, I need you to love me the way that I receive love because the way you receive love might not be the same. And then we're going to be feeling like we're not loved. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> but I think everyone does that. I just think maybe I don't vocalize it. Maybe sometimes the way I might want to want to get it back from people, but. That's a, that's a me problem if I don't communicate it, you know, that's that's not on them. So I guess my next question is uh what are the operating principles of your life? Like if you had like a few principles, like what are they?
0: Ooh. Okay. To be honest. Um, like, I just, I feel like I just, I don't know. I can't even describe the importance of that in my life. Um, mm-hmm. for me to be honest with others and vice versa. Uh. What else that's the only one i can really think of right now and i think i that's the one that i that is like at the forefront of my mind is because i'm learning to be honest with myself it's
1: like kind of writing your own manifest manifesto right it's like when you think about your principles of like what you want to stand by no matter what so for me i think i kind of answered it earlier is um integrity and i want to say not only integrity but um morals right like i think that's something that i'm really big on because i feel like a lot of people (laughs) claim that they have morals but then when their morals are aligned with yours it's like let me tell you what my morals are and if you don't if you cross that line then it's like don't think uh, i'm sorry is gonna fix that because like this is like a clear line for me and so i don't think i've always explained that to people and therefore i'm quick to like maybe cut people off and never talk to them again and i can live with that but i don't know if they realize why. I'm like that. It's like, I'm not for the, I say something here, but then I don't really mean it when it's crunch time. It's like, no, like, this is the line. Don't, if you cross that line, then it's over for me. Like, that's, and I think that's more based on my life when it was times of survival and not necessarily of just living and trying to understand. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's something I got to work on, but I know for sure, um, integrity and morals is probably like my two main principles. Everything else I feel like I could adjust or requiesce to, but, like, those two things is, like, it's not for negotiation with me at all.
0: I have a question because we talked about being in survival mode. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like when um, when we're in survivor mode, you have blinders on, and it doesn't allow you to, like, fully experience life? No,
1: no, for me, survival mode is, like, when you um, – when you see your family make certain decisions, they told you that they should, that you shouldn't do, but just like, yo, you, you, I learned this from you. This isn't the way to go. Why are we doing this now though? Like, so now that kind of puts your survival mode for like the household or you're thinking you're in survival mode for the household, but your parents might have it, but when you see it, it not look like they got it together, it, it worries you. It makes you nervous as a kid, but growing up, it's like, oh no, I do some of those things now too. But like, you're not thinking that as a child when you're seeing it, cause you're processing it. A lot different you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. those moments i think it's more of a world view of survival mode and like when you step out of your house and you realize it, it's more wicked out there at least than in here it depends everything some environments is like me stepping outside of my house was more wicked than me stepping inside of my house but the moments where it felt a little shaky at times maybe because of financial reasons that makes you think of survival more more than just being able to live or when you're always hearing we don't have it, we don't have it. Then it's like, how do we get it, right? That those things put you into a survivor mode. But it's like it's a it's a mentality switch. It's right, right. It's like if you take yourself you're going to be able to live. You'll find out the nuances to live, even if it's not at the grandiose of stages. So, right. But it's hard, right? Because it's like they, it's like dangling a little carrot in your face, like for certain neighborhoods, like so where I grew up, it's like a red line neighborhood, so it's all black. Mm-hmm. but like financially we might not have it all but like if you go five de- minutes down the road it appears that they might have it all you know what i'm saying so like similar i guess to like those in, i don't know the geographic but the way it sounds like the crenshaw district in california is like five minutes from hollywood it's like how are you going to dingle a carrot like that in front of those people of knowing that it's right there but they can't reach it because of their economic situation so those things like that put you in i think even more survival mode than you not even knowing that it's not possible Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes it's you having a worldview that puts you in survivor mode, and then when you're able to get out of it, it makes you take a deep breath. But it's like, how do I stay out of it, and how can I maybe try to help people with you? But it's like you can't save. And you can help people, but I feel like it's very hard to try to save someone. You know what I'm saying? So that's I don't know if that answers your question, but I guess that's my thoughts on the <laughs> whole you. survivor mode. Uh, does that make sense? Does yes, answer it answer Okay. So yeah, do we to have me, any, that's, do we have, yeah, we have a few more. Oh, okay, Yeah, we do. But that's really like, to me, what survival mode for me is. I mean. What is it for you? Um, is it similar? It
0: little, I wrote about it a little bit. For me, it was always, um, I was so in such a survivor's mentality that if people ask me, what were my goals in life when I was younger? Right. What do I want to do? I immediately would say, I just want to be okay. And for me, that meant I want to be safe because I, I didn't feel safe as a child. I didn't feel protected as a child. Um, I n- I never felt safe. So as an adult and um, becoming responsible for myself, I always wanted to make sure that I was safe. I wanted to make sure that I was financially secure because mm-hmm. just like you, it was always... Actually, we weren't. I wasn't even aware that I was poor-poor. I just... Mm-hmm. Because like no one made fun of me at school but then there were times when the lights would be cut off or we didn't have food and I'm like this don't seem normal um so it became I wanted to be financially secure so having a safe place to lay my head having food to eat and um being financially secure um and it made me unaware of anything that was outside of the scope of what I was trying to do to be okay. Um, So that was why I asked you, does it feel like you have blinders on and you can't really fully experience anything outside of that because your only, your main focus is how do I, it felt for me and I remember talking about it, um, I didn't even realize that I had been in survivor mode for so long Mm -hmm. um, until I had to sit down and be still. Right. Because I was constantly going, going, going and thinking of the next thing and thinking of the next way that I can move up in my career so that I can make sure that I was still financially stable or mm-hmm. um, making sure that it also meant, for, for me, it also meant never having to ask for help again, especially financial help. I didn't want to ask for help. That was part of being a survivor mode. So I definitely had on blinders to anything that was outside of making sure I was safe, making sure that I was financially stable um, and making sure that I didn't have to ask anybody else for help. Right. Um, and even though I had like really good times amongst like all of this and I had experienced so much, it wasn't until I was able to step outside of being in survivor mode that I was able to actually remember it and almost re-experience it.
1: Yeah, I have those moments, too, where I just smile to myself. I remember a, a pretty good time wherever, when I might have thought the whole year might have been shitty. it probably was. I probably had some more good days, but it's like for some reason, the, the bad days kind of stay with you a little longer, unfortunately.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. I wasn't... I wouldn't say we were poor because we didn't, like, get any assistance, but we, we grew up sometimes broke or, like, things having to wait until, like, a new check would come for my dad for it things to get taken care easy. of. Well... It made ends meet, but we had to stretch every dollar. I guess I put it like that. So I don't want to say it like if my dad wasn't a good provider, because he was. It's just when you're stuck at a certain pay range and then everything keeps going up, it's hard to like stay with the Joneses, I guess. And like you're hit as a child, it's like, damn, they got cable, they got this, they got that. And we didn't grow up with none of that stuff until like we bought it into the house at one point, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's very little things like inside the house, but like then is when you step outside, you feel like you're not adequate enough with certain clothes, but it's like, you look back, it's like they probably have those clothes for, but they don't have like the same family structure that I had. So I was like, it's a give or take, depending on how you see things, but you don't see it like that as a child. Exactly. So, okay, let me see where else I'm at. That was such a great um, tangent we went on, I think. (laughs) So what is your your life's purpose and what is your personal gifts, you feel?
0: Okay, let's start with my gifts. Um, You're asking me all of the things I've had to think about a lot this year. Um, my gifts are definitely one of them. The main one is actually speaking. Um, mm-hmm. It took a long time for me to accept this gift, okay? Because mm-hmm. I was always told as a kid I talked too much and I asked too many questions. And um, but also at the, in, on the same side, on the other side of the same coin, I would be, I was told you speak so well, you speak so eloquently. And I'm like, well, which one is it Like, am I supposed right. to use this gift or not? Um, right. like, am Did I they I try to
1: make to use... you a lawyer.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, everybody in our family tries to make me a lawyer. Everybody tried to make <laughs> me a lawyer. They still try to make me a lawyer. Well, now they trying yeah. to make me a psychiatrist. And I'm like, mm, I don't want to be neither one of those things. Right. Um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, but When I look back and read why I wanted to be be a lawyer, I was like, I just wanted to help people. It wasn't necessarily that I wanted to practice law. But um, Mm -hmm. definitely my gift is speaking, um, writing. I do have a a gift with words, being able to paint a picture with words. Um, And it comes to me pretty quickly um, in regards to writing poetry. Mm -hmm. I think I started writing poetry around 11 years old. so, speaking, writing, um, organizing things, like getting, like throwing events, I'm really good at that. Like getting people together, delegating, logistics. Um, that's all my, I, I would say, that's all my area.
1: <laughs> no, I got you. Um,
0: my purpose in life is definitely to um, encourage. I'm de- I know for a fact that I was put on this earth specifically to encourage others, to empower others, um, and to, to literally spread joy. I think there's a reason that God has given me the personality to be silly and goofy and smile all the time, um, is to elicit joy in others. Um, so yes, my purpose is definitely to encourage, empower, and to spread joy
1: pretty good I think my gift is writing and everything else I do is just to help me um, propel higher so <laughs> I love to write fiction writer fiction writings and things like that so yeah I think my goal is just to to be the best writer I can but have like a moral compass within the story that like and help guide people on like a day-to-day basis or like give them those friendly reminders of like okay yeah I remember this is a great tool to have within a story so
0: I like.
1: So what three words best describe you feel? for? <laughs> uh, I
0: would say happy-go-lucky, loud.
1: That's three words, though. Happy-go-lucky, if you want to
0: keep it. No, those. that's just, that's like a hyphenated one. It's just it's one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So
0: happy-go-lucky, loud, and outgoing.
1: That was a good one. I would say, um, inquisitive, um, I think I'm your typical Aquarius, man, I don't think I'm not too crazy, and, um, smart, intelligent, I think, in the clouds a lot, no, I said inquisitive, Aquarius, and, um,
0: out. that's like a whole bad situation
1: but that's just three words that describe me like
0: that's true okay fine
1: what's your what's your sign
0: i'm an aries
1: mm. so you're like me you're like an air sign right that's what i think the aries is no Aries air sign
0: no i'm fire
1: oh uh, mm-hmm. okay you have a lot of passion <laughs> gotcha yeah so, so what's next? Let's do this What's the one thing you would like to do more of and why? Travel. Same. Me and my I wife.
0: I love traveling. Um I like um if I could, I would definitely travel more um, because I just love traveling. I love experiencing new cultures, new people, just different parts of the earth. Um, and I think it's important. And I think that everyone should travel and experience, um, other people because that's what brings us, um, like closer together as a human race. And I think that's what we were meant to do is to learn more, learn how we are more alike than we are different.
1: No, I agree. I definitely want to travel a lot. I really want to, um, take my wife to, um, Panama because I don't think she's ever been. So I think that'd be pretty cool. Have you ever been?
0: No, and I cannot wait to go. I want to go to Panama and to Colombia next year, if possible, depending on what's happening with COVID.
1: Why? Why Colombia? You have family from Colombia on, like, your mom's side. No, or? it's
0: just right there. And, well, that's true. I, have, <laughs> and I have Colombian <laughs> friends in California, and I just love them. So yeah. I'm like, I need to go. So our to our sister country, um, right? But I definitely, I've never been, and I would love to go. It's so different now, though, from like just from the 90s like at least that's that's what our family has told us it's just so it's evolved so much
1: it's like a mini new york last time i went yeah i've been twice but i went once as as a two-year-old and then i think the second time i was 12. so i want to go as an adult now and really like take it all in more Yeah. but even then it was very much built up almost like it's like Parts of it feels very Americanized because of the canal there. So like mm-hmm. you won't feel too out of place, but you definitely still get your Spanish up. I know I need to for sure. Yeah. So.
0: I plan <laughs> to go with my friend because she usually can get us by in Spanish speaking countries.
1: Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But I feel I feel like I should like learn a little more than I do. But one day I'll I'll take that seriously.
0: <laughs> Same here. Same here, cuz. Like <laughs> right.
1: Yeah um what's some more questions i have what would you like to stop worrying about and what steps can you share with us to let go of the worry or what do you believe you can do even though you might still work on practicing it because i feel like i got a bunch of tips but i don't know if i really mastered any of it myself i um wow i'm
0: trying to think of something i still worry about
1: you want me to go first maybe that can yeah. help spark you yeah for me it's more of getting out of my head when I, like i realize i have this thing if i make one mistake i get so down on myself i start making compound mistakes of stuff i would normally not make a mistake on so it just amplifies the the mistake because i'm not getting out of my head fast enough after the making the mistake and just letting it go so there's okay. one thing i could let go it's more of not compartmentalizing but more of a quick meditation just to like set my mind back to the realignment i need to keep going and not like let those mistakes keep rumbling on in my head while i'm making new ones if that makes sense
0: so do you affirm yourself aloud or in your mind
1: a little bit of both but sometimes it's like you're just so much on the go it's like you don't you know you got to remind yourself yo stop take a second take a deep breath and like let yourself know that you're good you can do this or whatever it is you know like it could be the littlest thing i just realized i started making compound mistakes of stuff i wouldn't normally do because i'm mad at the first little mistake Mm -hmm. i made instead of letting that first mistake go
0: Mm -hmm. whatever you like the same person um i would say I need to stop worrying about my capabilities. Mm. And I'm literally working through it right now. My affirmation currently is I am a child of God. Therefore, I am highly favored and I am more than capable. Um, well, that's a
1: that's a great one to have in the
0: arsenal. I, thank you. <laughs> I think that a lot of times we forget who we are. Yeah. And if God is my father, then I can do anything. I can right. literally do anything I, I there are no limitations to who I am and to what I can do um I believe that when we put limits on ourselves you are limiting God so I definitely need um, am working on not worrying about my capabilities and is am, like I constantly ask myself am, am I supposed to god you want me to do this are you sure you want me to talk about this are you sure you want me to go there are you sure you want me to talk to that person? um but why not me why right. not because I'm still his ch- I'm his child it's, it's so it really doesn't matter nothing right. else matters except that I am his child so that is currently my affirmation I just started it 12 days ago I started at the beginning of December um I am a child of God therefore I am highly favored and I am more than capable
1: no that's beautiful I think for me also now that we're talking about worries and stuff and like how uh, to like shake them I just had it in my head. I wanna say, um, not worrying about the ending, like know your ending, but don't care of how the journey goes. As long as if you have the ending in sight and know what you wanna reach, just know that God will find the path to help you get there and not focus on, oh, this this part wasn't exactly how I envisioned it, was going on. Like, I think those things cause more worry than, than, than what's necessary sometimes too. Yep.
0: Yeah. That's, like, very liberating to get to the point where you are no longer worried with what things look like.
1: Like, Yeah, it's hard, though. (laughs) But, yeah.
0: It's It's a difficult um, point to get. It's a challenging point to get to. I don't want to say difficult. It's challenging. Mm -hmm. But it's so liberating when you get to the point. I was talking to one of my friends, and she's another influencer. And I was saying I love um, her affirmation of, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with that. And it's literally, and I'm okay with that because we get in our minds caught up with what we think things are going to look like and how things are going to go. So we're so disappointed when they don't go how we thought they were, but you don't see the beauty in how it came out anyway.
1: Right. It's you not know, until like you actually means- reach your point and then you look back and you're like, wow, these things kind of had to happen this way for yep. this alignment. Yeah.
0: Yep.
1: I agree. Sorry for cutting you off. Is there anything else you want to say before we questions i I feel like i've gone down so much of a list i'm sorry
0: oh no it's fine
1: so do you wait for others to solve any problems or do you try to solve them yourself like i feel like and this i feel like a lot of people always says what's the problems but it's like did you try to find yourself a solution like are you a solution oriented person because i'm learning that that's the only way to go is at least try to find a solution and i feel like the universe and god will help help lead you to that solution if you think of one and if you sit quiet enough you can find one possibly
0: i the least solution oriented um i like to figure stuff out on my own Mm -hmm. i like i'm pretty good at problem solving and so i typically i'm also a huge planner so i usually will come up with four different solutions with four different plans mm-hmm. and try all four of them. And then if they don't work, then I'll ask for help or ask somebody else's input. But um, I tend to be very hard headed and stubborn. So I like to figure, try to figure it out on my own first. Mm-hmm. Like I said, at least four different times and then I'll ask for help. I'm getting better. Like I'm getting better with like researching things and asking people for help sooner. But I think that at my core,
1: I'm hard-headed. Right. I think sometimes solutions is asking somebody, but it's asking the right person, right? Somebody that, you know, might have the answer. So I don't think there's nothing wrong with asking people, but it's like, what's the solution that might be able to guide me to a better answer than I might have for myself, right? Yes. Instead of just saying, this is my my problem, this is my problem, isn't good, but it's like, all right, this is a problem here's what I think the solution might be, but let me reconfirm with someone else. And
0: Yeah, know. but I still be trying to figure it out for myself at least four times before <laughs> I might go ask somebody else, even if even if I know that they might know an answer better. Except when it's very specific things. For example, my friend mm. is an organizer. So if I need to organize something and I know I want it to look a certain way, I'll call her first. Like I'll call whoever I feel is an expert. If I'm struggling with something, and I know an expert on it, I'll call the expert. Like I call my aunt for cooking tips all the time. I'm not trying to figure that out on my own when she's been cooking Mm -hmm. for the last probably 50 years. Um, I'm gonna call her first. But when it comes to anything else or things that I feel like I am personally good at, like if I think I'm the expert, I'm going to try to figure it out first and then I'll ask somebody else for help.
1: Gotcha. That makes sense. So how do you move past unpleasant thoughts or experiences?
0: I've actually become really good at this lately. I'm proud of myself because it took a lot of work, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I um, I do um, breathing exercises. So if something, um, like if I'm having an unpleasant time or I'm frustrated or aggravated or somebody made me mad, perfect example, somebody had an attitude with me at work today. And me being the sassy person that I am, my initial reaction wanted to be to respond the way that they responded to me. But adult grown-up Diamond was like, let me breathe through this first. And I also, I love to try to understand the other person's perspective. And even if I don't understand it, if that means I have to make up my own story as to why something happened, then that's what I do. So I decided that maybe he was having a bad morning or didn't have what he needed on the line and that's why he was so aggravated and he responded to me the way that he did and I decided to leave it I I decided to leave it alone I decided not to approach him right and let it happen again no
1: (laughs) (laughs) no I hate you
0: so Um, but yes I do breathing exercises and I actually encourage other people to do that as well um when you're going through something if you're going through something with a person try to understand their perspective if you're having an unpleasant unpleasant experience with like out out outer body sources that you can't really control, recognize that you can't control it and try to let it go.
1: Yeah, I think that helps. I think raising or changing tones with people helps because then it makes them off guard and they don't realize that they might ease up their tone when you ease up your tone. Just same things I learned in like sociology classes and different things, um, absolutely, is what I do in, in moments like that.
0: Oh, and still and smile a lot. I right. smile a lot because it catches people, especially when someone's being mean or rude or disrespectful, when you genuinely smile, they are like, oh, okay, that's how I was talking to them isn't working. They're not responding to that. And even though we're wearing masks, they can still tell when you're smiling. You think so? hmm I'm a server right now, and I wear a mask 24-7, and they definitely can tell when you're smiling. They smile yeah. right back.
1: <laughs> That's true. Because <I laughs> you,
0: you can see it in your cheeks and in your right,
1: eyes. Right. You see it raise up. Uh, yeah. yeah. So are you holding on to something that would be better to let go of if you can share? What is that? And what's, your, what's holding you back from letting go? Nope. You feel like you're letting everything go, or letting yep. everything flow.
0: In 2020, that is what I learned. I manifested at the beginning of 2020 that I would have clearer vision. That God would allow me to see things in a more, um, in a much more clear perspective than I ever have before. And mm. one of the that's the main thing I learned this year is to just let it go, whatever it is that whatever is not um serving a purpose in my life and is not helping me become the person that I want to become and fulfill the purpose that God has given me I let it go.
1: Yeah, I think for me it's trying to learn how to forgive, but sometimes it's like you cross a line, I just don't feel like forgiving, you know, but
0: <laughs> But forgiving um, is not for the other person, forgiving is for you. But,
1: but I feel like I something. I feel like I could live with it like and make them feel uncomfortable, but like maybe that's no! not <laughs> That's not him, Okay, really. but it's okay it's
0: because you're working but that's, on
1: But that's my survivor mentality, right? It's not like a, a freeing of self with that. Like it's like a defense more mechanism of a, then? No, it's more of like, don't play stupid because I could be more stupid than you. Like, those, okay. If,
0: okay.
1: I'm one it's of okay those okay people. Like, <laughs>
0: okay.
1: I'm just one of those that, like, I'm willing to go further than you're willing to go. And since I know myself and I'm willing to do that, I'll take it wherever you want to take it. <laughs> like, Patty,
0: Patty,
1: Patty. Yes, we're going to pray on that. We're
0: going to pray on that.
1: Right. So that, that's something I definitely got to work on. And I, at least I'm aware of it. It's not, I'm yes. not naive. Not and you admit it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That's the first absolutely. step. First step.
1: <laughs> so, on a scale of one to 10, when it comes to being calm and centered, where are you on most days?
0: When it comes to being calm and centered, mm-hmm. it might not look calm and centered to everybody else, but I know I'm calm on the inside. So, I would say a strong seven and a half.
1: I would say I'm a seven or eight. It takes a lot to get me. Takes a lot to get me off, but once you got me off, it's like just just stay away for a little bit. But I'll be fine. I'll get back.
0: Yeah, a lot of people have told me they don't want to see when I'm not calm or when I'm not happy because I mm-hmm. I genuinely like I generally am, and it takes a lot to get me off my rocker. Right. But Uncle John does a really good job of it. Yeah. Yeah. He knows all the buttons to fish. Oh. Uh, uncle John is my uncle that raised me.
1: Right. What is the last book you read? And what uh, did you like from it? Since this is a writing podcast.
0: I don't remember the last book I read. It was something I downloaded on Amazon and it was complete trash. Um, because well, it was I not, purposely It's
1: not my book, ladies and gentlemen. No, it
0: was not your book. No, 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 no. Um, I read it because I was stressed out and it was fiction and I wanted to not think about anything. Um, That's the last full book I read. The books I read daily are uh, my devotionals, which are Jesus Calling and Jesus Today by Sarah Young. Okay, nice. Oh, oh, there's a really, really good one called, it's right here on my desk. It's called Because of Jesus, Today is Your Best Day. And it's by Roy Lesson.
1: Okay. So everyone that's, that's pretty cool. So the fiction book was no good at all. I love reading fiction books.
0: No, uh, I don't even remember the name of it. It was about, it was a love story about two people that fell in love over their dogs because they um, oh the guy's dog was a male dog and he got the woman's dog who was a female dog pregnant and he paid her uh dog's vet bills and they fell in love
1: so maybe it's better as a a disney movie more than a book to read it sounds like gotcha and
0: i read it in like two or three hours it was Mm -hmm. like yeah I got you. But it got my it, it cleared my mind and.
1: Well, that's good.
0: <laughs> and it, it was a stress reliever.
1: Well, that's good. So, what are some things that keep you awake at night? I guess not much because you're not stressed and worried about things. So, no, It'll no, 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 probably no. be just just your work, if anything. I would assume.
0: So, what's keeping me up at night is actually my job because i I stopped serving for. T- I stopped serving tables four years ago because I went into a managerial, um, an office role. And now because of COVID, I'm back serving again. Let me tell you. It's real different from when I was younger. Okay. I'm older now. I be tired. My feet are hurting. And it takes a long time to um, decompress from your mind racing all day and or all night and remembering all the different things that you need to do. Um, so that keeps me up, and my passions are keeping me up at night, um, writing, like I ha- I'm starting to get up in the middle of the night and writing now, or I'll have to wow. get, get um, my phone and put notes of what I want to either write about next or what I want the next Transparent Tuesdays to be about, um, and I've talked about that before. I feel like that's how you know what your purpose is, is when you wake right. up at, you know, one, two, three o'clock in the morning, and all you can think about is your new, I- your next idea, the next thing you want to do. So, um, yeah, those those are definitely keeping me up.
1: No, absolutely. So do you have a book that you recommend for helping people grow? I know you talked about your devotionals, but do you have like a self-help book that you could recommend to the audience that you think helped you on your journey?
0: Um, I'll be honest. I didn't read any of the self-help books that my friends bought me. Uh, I don't started worry. all of them. I started them all, didn't finish them, but they are really good. So the one that resonated, resonates the most um, is The Gift of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but, nope, didn't finish it, but, um, <laughs> and I honestly, I thought that, um, I'll be completely honest with the audience. I thought that reading self-help books was what I was going to need to heal and to help me get better um and first i guess i just had either i haven't made room for them yet like as every time i make room something else comes in so i have i just haven't had time to sit and read any.
1: for me self so help book is like seeing if my philosophies matches with their philosophies and seeing like okay i'm not off off the track so much if this is how this person mm-hmm. is successful but it's not like a, a guide to how to live my life kind of thing. I think a lot of people do that for that, but it's like,
0: yeah.
1: then then you might as well just pick one book and say, that's how I'm living my life. But like, And to it like, could
0: be, that's why I haven't done it. That could, that right. could be it. It's because I'm like, I don't, uh, I'm probably not going to live my life like this. Um, but I spent this year, the last year in so much um, self-reflection um, as far as like, after my set, every, after every therapy session, of course, if, I, if my therapist didn't give me homework, I gave myself homework. So I spent a lot of time self-reflecting and I have tailored my Instagram account to basically like a self-help Instagram feed, I guess. Um, a lot of, and I do follow writers on Instagram and I read right. their posts, but um, as far as like getting through a self-help book, I haven't done it.
1: Yeah, I I do that, but it's, like, habits and different things to help me um, just sharpen my mind. It's not necessarily for them to necessarily save my life kind of thing. I think a lot of people do those type of books. I I do more of the here's my principles of how I became successful, kind of like business self-help more than anything, Mm -hmm. than, like... um, Please save me because I don't know where I'm going. Like I don't, because I, I feel like that's a hard thing to swallow. Because then you're going to live up to someone else's expectation in a book, and I think that's that's difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's pretty much it. Do you have any questions for me before I wrap up with the quote of the week and the lyrics of the week?
0: Not that I could
1: think of. Okay, so let me do a quote of the week, which is every day may not be good but there is something good in every day. And that kind of made me think of the things that you've kind of been talking about today. And some of the things we talked about offline and me asking you to contribute to um, the blog and you giving us that beautiful written message and then also the blog. So I just wanna say thank you again for that. And the lyrics of the week, this made me think of you and this is one of my favorite artists, um, Voices in the Head by Big Sean. It's Mm -hmm. like, um, so these are the lyrics that, because of what we talked about, I thought of you, and I figured to make this lyrics of the week. So it's, um, you bought the watch, but can't afford the time, even if you're running out of breath. Weight of the world, doing lots of reps. Time to get this generation, last one, and the next one, and the next two out of debt. And they go and pay you back with respect. Just stick to the plan. Still we can chill. Back when I rocked the white and blue Grant Hills, I realized there's no dream that I can't fill. I manifest it all while I'm the man still. Well, for you, women. <laughs> Voices in my head attacking what I'm thinking. Bullet to the head might free the way might be the way to free it. If I leave my body, I can free the spirit. Swear to God, my death of fear just keep on shrinking. Wishing I could go back to the nineties, back when I was dreaming. Me and my dog was on a mission like we and Keenan, early 2000 Detroit, might as well been the hell with demons. Wondering when I start losing the losing the grip, feeling like I'm in the middle of the ocean, you either drown or cannot or canoe through it. Voices in my head said I'm used to it. Some help me to lose and some help me to maneuver through it. When I talk to myself, I'm confused on who's who it. I know in life you either blow or you either blow it or you blew it. And at the end of life, it's gonna feel like you flew through it. I just hope by then I cut the voices in my head. So I think sometimes we allow the bad parts of our thoughts to take over some of our good thoughts. And it's important for us to know which which side are we listening to and make sure we resonate with the, with the proper side to keep us going on whatever our missions are. And I just think you've had so much that you speak about of like just dealing with your own in person, personal issues and deep thoughts that you've had i just thought a song like that with some of the not all the lyrics but some of the lyrics kind of resonated with what we talked about today
0: and i've never heard that song i don't listen to rap music but i'm about to go listen to that
1: (laughs) well thank you so much for being a wonderful guest and um thank you for doing this show with me this is americana quill writer to writer
0: thank you bye
1: bye